Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for joining us today. Morning, John. How are you? Yes, very well. Enjoying a nice sunny day here in London. Yeah, long mate last um, Indian summer. They, indeed, indeed. It's certainly been a little bit warmer than it was, I think, last year. So, yeah, long, long may that continue. So, Alan, we're going to be uh, discussing a number of equities a little bit later on in the in the podcast. But we're going to start off with looking at the key market themes. And the key market themes, uh, of course, today is energy and the and the falling um, prices in equities on the back of that. But just before we get into that, just a note to listeners – if you'd like to get the latest podcast delivered to your inbox, do go to the UK Investor Magazine website where you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we send out five new newsletters a week uh, with news articles in as well as our latest podcast. So do uh, do get yourself signed up for that. So, Alan, FTSE 100, looking at, uh, at it now, it's currently down about 1.5%. Yep. And it's quite uh, quite an interesting story to see how things have changed in the last 24 hours because it's all around the energy markets. Now, energy markets yesterday were being attributed to actually giving some strength to the FTSE 100. We saw higher oil prices, which transferred into higher prices of companies like BP and Shell and the FTSE 100, major constituents. They saw a rally and they actually saw some outperformance against some of their European counterparts. Now, 24 hours later, we have energy prices being blamed for a 1.5% decline in the FTSE 100. Now, it's a broad-based uh, decline that we're that we're seeing today. Most uh, sectors are down in the FTSE 100. How much of a concern do you think this should be, Alan? Do you think it's something that yes, we're going to see uh, rising prices and it could reduce the spending power of consumers i mean is that the big story here or is it more looking at the other factor of rising inflation could lead to a tighter monetary policy decision from major central banks sooner than the market may like i i think it's a cocktail of all those factors john john i think um we, we've got um we of course have have already seen um, the problems that the uh, the rising gas prices are causing, uh, with um, collapses of some of the smaller suppliers who didn't um, who didn't lock their lock their futures in, um, and uh, of course we're seeing uh, increase in the oil prices. Uh, um, there's also the the uh, poss- well the, the prospect of greater demand as well as as uh, restrictions. Are lifted on travel and holidays, um, um, but then, of course, along with that, al- along with the prospect of the higher energy prices and oil, and oil prices, and, and of course, prices at the pump as well, we then have um, the uh, the prospect of the ending of the furlough schemes. And of course, uh, we're in the uh, the uh, U.S. futures are down down at the moment as we record this, um, and of course, we we have the. Uh, we have the uh, the private payrolls data due out today, and of course the the big one on Friday, which is the non farm payrolls data. And I think at that point we will get some 
initial indications of what's happening uh, in the jobs market. Of course, as furlough schemes end, people go back to work. Some people will find they don't have a job to go back to. And um, and it's really, uh, I think, the uncertainty around that. Um, and of course, the, the rising energy prices, rising gas prices, it's just fueling uncertainty. And of course, if there's uncertainty in the market, we'll see a big sell-off. Um, there are, of course, corners in the market today which aren't seeing a sell-off, and one of those we're going to talk about shortly, which is, of course, in the the uh, te- uh, supermarket Tesco, which has produced a, a great set of numbers today. But I think I think across the market today, uh, we saw the technology stocks on the uh, um, across the pond uh, uh, fall yesterday. Um, uh, uh, well, they they, they 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 rebounded strongly, but uh, the futures are pointing to a big fall in those stocks too, which will of course take the the markets down with it. But um, yeah, it, it's uncertainty in general, fueled by um, uh, fueled by the end of the furlough scheme and of course rising energy prices. Indeed, indeed. And I think obviously the, the end of the furlough scheme is particularly important for the UK economy. But looking further afield, and I think this way why we may be seeing some some quite pronounced downside in, in markets today is because, as you mentioned, on Friday we have the US uh, non-farm uh, payrolls, which if we see a particularly poor set of data from the United States in terms of the health of their economy, we're already in a situation where we're seeing rising prices and that's eroding consumer spending. But if we do start to see a, a real shift to the downside in terms of the health of the US economy and the jobs that it can create, it does raise fears significantly of stagflation, which has never been good for markets in the past. So I think maybe yeah. what we're seeing today is some positioning ahead of that big risk event, which it now is with the rising prices for the non-farm payrolls on uh, on Friday. So that's going to be a particularly interesting point. And I do think if we see a, a, a poor figure from there, we could see a bloodbath in markets. So it's going to be an interesting day for markets on uh, on Friday. But let's go back to something more positive now, Alan. And it's a supermarket sector. Now, when we're sort of looking at UK supermarkets, we've seen quite an interesting month or so with the, the takeover battle going for, for Morrison's. Over the weekend, we had the the last and final bids from US parties, and I think there was a deal agreed for for Morrison's at two eighty seven, if I remember correctly. Yep. So that deal looks to be done. Uh, on the on the back of that, on Monday, we did see some stronger prices in the likes of, uh, of Tesco's and Sainsbury's, and also Ocado, because I think there's a there's a school of thought that there is some interest out there for for the UK supermarkets. And Morrison's may not be the last one that receives uh, some takeover interest. So um, we saw some strength at the beginning of the week, but Tesco is really building on that today. And with a strong set of figures, what do they look like? Really strong set of figures, John. Yeah, they, they've um, they've really, uh, I think, surprised analysts. Uh, the uh, analysts expected a strong set of numbers, but um, you know, this is all against the backdrop of shortage, uh, a, a shortage of labour and cost pressures. The company grew sales and including fuel by just under six percent to thirty and a half billion, um, and pre-tax profits rose by one hundred and seven percent 
to 1.1 billion. So uh, very, very strong performance, um, despite a, uh, a 193 million payout of shareholders uh, relating to a legal case. Uh, you may recall a few years back, there was an accounting scandal in 2014. So there was a, a, a payout to shareholders. Um, but um, the, looking forward to the, the, the full year, the company said it expects operating profits of two and a half billion up 700 million from previously um and also of course uh, further supporting the share price um the the uh, tesco has uh, commenced a share buyback half a billion shares bought um would be bought within a year um and throughout the process it's holding its dividend at, at uh, 3.2p um the, the ceo said the profits grew ahead of expectations a major outperformance um and of course you know perhaps this is why there is so much interest in the sector you know the the analysts that uh, are working for the investors are seeing the strong performance and um of course companies that they see might be undervalued although they may look fully valued to us um they that they are looking that they're in in the within the sight of these huge private equity groups and of course as you rightly said john you know morrison's is very much uh there's a battle going on there at the moment. It looks the looks like the deal is done at two eighty seven p a share, but um, never say never. There could be an eleventh hour surprise there. But of course, it also uh, adds buoyancy to the sector in general um, as investors are now speculating on who could be next. Tesco, of course, has the largest market share in the sector, so it's likely to stay um, untouched. But of course, um, uh, who knows? We're seeing these audacious bids come from the US. There could be a much bigger one coming in for the likes of Tesco or Ricardo um, at some point. But uh, either way, it's it's very buoyant. And of course, with this uncertainty, um, with this uncertainty, the one the one uh, investment you can always bank on uh, is is that of food retailing. You know, we'll we'll always need food, and we'll always find a way to to, to pay for it. Interesting point, actually, Alan. Do you do you think that um, there's an element? of a defensive nature of some of the purchases that we're seeing yeah. in the supermarkets at the moment. Yeah, very much so. I, I mean, I think we're seeing um, we're seeing all this uncertainty. Um, and as with COVID, uh, you know, the food retailers um, um, are the one constant. So, and uh, it's also, you know, I, th- I think we're going to see um, possibly a recovery in, in commodities too at some point if the uncertainty continues. And of course, that will feed back into precious metals and uh, and uh, and and other commodities too but particularly precious metals so so of course there is that backdrop too but food retailers historically you know if there is uncertainty the food retailers always make for very sound investments and so maybe that's part of the thinking thinking behind these private equity groups that are making these moves yes it's certainly going to be an interesting finish to the year for these companies uh, given the interest that's swirling around those at the moment. So let's move on now, Alan, to look at a company which obviously has had a torrid time over the last uh, 18 months with the pandemic, but it's on the beach, uh, the, the holiday booking website. What's been happening there? So on the beach, of course, is the uh, uh, it's the one of the UK's largest online beach holiday retailers. And um, it's a it's a speculative pun, but but, but I just think that um, that you know we're seeing all of this uncertainty at the moment. But um, as things get ironed out, um, and of course travel restrictions are being lifted by now, it's these sort of retailers where you can go on and book your holiday online, you know, literally in minutes. 
that are going to be front and centre, you know, certainly for recovery in the next six to eight months. And of course, people are now even looking to next summer to book up their holidays for next summer. So, so you know, on, on the beach are very much, uh, are very much um, in that um, in, in in that area. Um, now, the company um, has undergone, as you say, a fairly uh, torrid time, but um, it recently raised um, raised a further twenty six million at 330p so it's now very well funded and of course uh, we're in the run-up now to um to a full year trading statement which will probably arrive uh sometime sometime in the next few weeks probably early november but um i'm just looking at the chart and it's had a um, it's had a it's had a, a, an interesting run this year, um, of course, with, with the placing uh, uh, coming uh, back in July, shares were down as low as 285p, but um, uh, the placing took place at 330p. So that's kind of midway on the current price range for the year. And um, indeed, you, you know, you would expect that a holiday company would be would be sort of the last, uh, the, the last thing investors will want to look at right now. But actually, I think this is this could make for a very interesting play. So we're seeing shares at 365p above that placing price at the moment. They've traded as high already on the year as 517p and as low as just over 200p or £2, of course, in in, 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 in cash terms. But um, at the last set of interim results, the company said it was now well capitalised and uh, in 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 good shape to continue and uh, and uh, it was it's it's well placed for um, a recovery going forward. Um, it's it's got the over twenty percent market share in the UK, which is absolutely key. And of course, with the demise of Thomas uh, Cook, uh, that old style of travel agent uh, is really uh, fast receding into history now and this is the way uh, the uh, businesses uh, or, or this is the way holiday companies are going to run their businesses from here on in and the CEO uh, Simon Cooper was very bullish in his comments uh, at the interim results and said while the recovery is likely to take some time it's going to be a challenging environment but the, the the way on the beach differentiates itself from its competitors and it's relatively low cost as a business they're positioned very well to take full advantage of, of any recovery. So I just think this could be a bit of a dark horse opportunity uh, for recovery. Uh, you know, notwithstanding what we're talking about today, um, you know, once the payrolls are gone and once the market's made that adjustment, uh, you know, we've still got people wanting to go on holiday and really huge pent up demand for a beach holiday again. And uh, and I think um, I, th- I think this could be a dark horse surprise investment for the next six to eight months. I mean, when looking at the most recent period, Alan, I mean, is there any indication that things are starting to 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 pick up? Have they made any um, sounds in terms of what demand's been like since we've been able to to be more free on? to take holidays well certainly the the um the the interim results for the six months to the uh, the end of june made for um pretty made pretty dismal reading i mean there was a huge fall in revenues a huge fall, fall in profits uh, when it, uh, um and of course uh, uh, there was a loss before tax of nine and a half million uh compared to a profit of uh of of two 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 point three million previously, so so the actual performance just reflected, of course, the fact that 
holidays basically stopped dead. There was no, there were no bookings um, at all, apart from maybe a, a, a brief splurge last summer. But now with uh, uh, now with um, that lifting, uh, and also of course, you know, we've seen a reasonably buoyant uh, travel period. You know, I know lots of people have been away during the summer and taken flights and and uh, and, and gone away. Um, so I think uh, I think the the upcoming numbers, which we'll be seeing. We'll be seeing a trading statement in the next few weeks from the group. I think, uh, given the fact that uh, there's a floor under the share price with that placing at three three hundred and thirty pence, um, shares are trading just above that now. I think uh, I think the company, uh, you know, could well be positioned to surprise the market with a buoyant trading statement. And of course, if provided um, provided there are no further lockdowns going forward. Then I think we're going to see winter bookings. We're going to see, uh, you know, bookings for next summer, and um, this could be uh, this could be one of the surprise investment packages for 2021-2022. Yes, yeah. I mean, certainly, sort of looking at margins, it had um, previously it, you know, the, the gross profit margins there are particularly attractive when it was operating. Um, without any restrictions. So it's going to be interesting to see how much those uh, bookings come back and that we could see a potential bit of upside here uh, in the shares if if there is an upside surprise on their numbers. So definitely a set of results to to keep an eye on there. So I'm going to move on now to the final company that we're going to discuss today. And it is one that we have touched on on the podcast previously, and it's one listed on the Aquis Exchange. Mm. It's, it's it's a particularly um, exciting company because it's based here in in the UK. It's very much focusing on on British enterprise in, in what it's doing in a market that may have traditionally been sort of looked at at a more global one. It's, it's taking a very British apro- approach to things, and it's a British honey company. What's the latest update from them? Well, this is uh, interesting. As an Aquis company, um, when we've spoken about Aquis before, of course, John, there are the access uh, listings where companies, uh, IPOs and SPACs and so on. Then there's the apex section of Aquis, which is uh, which is the growth section. So the company has to meet a set of criteria to, to qualify for that. And um, British Honey Company is uh, very much in the apex section and the growth section. So British Honey Company um, shares um, have actually slipped back. Uh, they're trading currently at 115 pence uh, on the year. They've traded as high uh, as high as um, as 120, and uh, and the lows are just under where we are now, really. So there's been very little share price movement, despite a lot of activity. Um, so, it, uh, British Honey Company um, uh, is the leading independent honey producer in the UK. Produces about seven million tons per annum, and it's got operations uh, all over the UK, um, Cotswolds and uh, Oxfordshire, and, and so on. Uh, also owns the Keeper Spirit brand, which uh, is sold. Um, has a very uh, a very strong distribution network, and that includes Waitrose, Majestic, Amazon, Not on the High Street, um, and so on. Um, and also owns a number of organic gin uh, and whiskey brands, um, and uh, and, and al- alcoholic um, uh, other alcoholic uh, based drinks. Uh, it's got a it's it's just got a, a unique um, uh, position in the market, um, and uh, has done a number of innovative deals. For example, with the list Distillery in Florida, 
undertook a share swap. This is last year. Um, and it has a distribution agreement uh, with um, with uh, the English heritage at over 400 monuments. And of course, as those sites are opening back up now, we're going to see um, we're going to see uh, evidence of uh, further sales from that. Um, it has a joint it has a distillery uh, arrangement with, with Cottesmore at uh, the Tusmore Park Estate in Oxfordshire. Um, and of course, uh, in February this year, acquired Union Distillers. Um, and there was a placing to, uh, to 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 raise from that uh, funds from that, and that's very much a a transformational move for the group in in terms of developing the their, their reach via the brands they offer and of course their their distribution network. Um, they also have their own IT platform, a bespoke end to end IT platform to support their uh, the, the, their distribution, and that's that uh, is that that gives the group entire traceability for each bottle and jar that's sold so that's that's very important of course in these in these times um uh, a couple of weeks ago the company announced uh, interim results uh, to june the 30th um revenues uh, basically uh, uh, trebled to three million from one million previously gross profit of one half million uh, to three quarters of a million previously um operating losses increased to 1.3 million from 1.3 million previously, and the group ended the uh, quarter with cash of 1.8 million. And of course, that's largely down to the acquisition of Union Distillers, which uh, the the revenues from which are just now starting to impact on the company. And I think uh, again we'll be seeing a trading update soon from the group, um, and that should reflect uh, the uh, the sales from Union Distillers during that period. Um, we've also seen a bit of I say board shenanigans. There's been a, a lot of restructuring in the board. Michael Williams, the uh, long-standing chief executive and chairman, um, has stepped down to uh, a non-exec role. Philip Sears has also resigned as a non-exec and will remain on as consultant. Richard Day has also resigned. Alice Morris, Morris who um, is uh, was very much involved in the in developing the business, has stepped up to the role of. Chief Chief Ops Officer. So currently, the board doesn't have a CEO, and I think that's probably accounted for the weakness in the share price. But um, of course, when that CEO comes in, then I think we're going to see uh, a new direction and um, a board board appointed that can actually uh, take the business forward. It, it's an interesting juncture. It's got a very strong range of brands. Um, sales are growing, and clearly, we we now need to see um, the board. Uh, come together and uh, and um, coordinate their efforts and uh, and drive their business forward to the, uh, the next level. Indeed, indeed. And as I said at the beginning, a particularly unique business in its offering, the likes of vodka and, and bourbon, which uh, traditionally are associated with other countries, but it, they're obviously putting a British spin on that. But just yeah. looking at the, at the figures there, Alan, we've seen quite a significant increase in sales, and that's due to the, uh, the inclusion of, of bringing a new business uh, to to British Honey, but just looking there, you know, the, at the uh, administrative expenses and you know what that's doing to the overall profit there. Although we saw a significant jump in profits, we did, again we, we we did see a, a net loss there. Yeah. What do you think we're going to see from British Honey to get them into a profit? Do you think it's going to be a reduction in some of these costs, or do you think we're going to see a real power on in the revenue that they? 
uh, that they're producing that's going to take them above that, that level of the costs? It's going to be a combination, uh, John. Uh, I mean, those the, the, the operating losses were largely down to the costs associated with the acquisition. Of course, embedding that and the restructuring that uh, is inevitable from an acquisition of that size, you know, given the size of the company uh, at the moment. I mean, currently, currently the company has a market capitalization of just over 19 million. It acquired uh, Union Distillers. Well, with the earn out, it's, it's up to 10 million. So it's over half the size of the business already. So, um, so, so given that, um, the that those the operating losses were down to those costs, but of course, sales and profits will continue. Um, and I think you know, once those operating now those operating losses have really gone. I think we're going to see the company power on and power ahead. But um, I think there's the uncertainty with the board restructuring has really uh, held the share price back. I mean, it's been pretty inactive anyway, uh, largely speaking. But I think uh, as an investment uh, opportunity and an investment proposition overall, it's a really attractive one, as you rightly say. You know, these are British spirit brands, um, and of course they have the the, the honey sales um, and the interest uh, um, elsewhere too. So I think there's a it's a good uh, it's a good investment proposition overall. Um, but now with uh, Unis Distillers uh, embedded into the company, I think we're going to see the uh, we, we should see things uh, things start to move. Indeed, I think it's a, a nice growth story there for a British business, and I'm sure a company that we will discuss on the podcast again. So let's just run through the companies that we've discussed today. So at the beginning, there was Tesco's trading the ticker of TSCO. It was then on the beach with the ticker of OTB. And just then was British Honey Company that trades in the ticker of BHC. Alan, thank you much for joining the podcast today. Thanks again, John. Just a note for listeners, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you do want to receive the UK Investor Magazine newsletter, if you visit the website, you'll be able to find various locations where you'll be able to register for that. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.